everybody. Welcome to Wrong Term Memory. My name's Jack. And my name's Colin. Jack, how are you this week? What have you been up to? Uh, I am I am super and I have been up to nothing the same as everybody else, mate. What about you? Um, yeah, pretty good. Um, not been doing a great deal either. Um, we finally finished The Shield. Me and Lisa have been watching The Shield back from the start, so I've seen it all before. She hasn't. We finished that this week. Um, we had a look at the Sky Q planner. And it was scary because we've literally watched nothing but the Shield for about two months. Uh-huh. Uh, there was forty episodes of Coronation Street recorded, <laughs> um, and we just deleted all of them and have skipped ahead. Um, but I, other than that, I've been doing a wee bit of learning, a wee bit of trying to do some self improvement. So I've been trying to do a little bit of Photoshop, a little bit of video editing, um, okay. trying to get good at that, and that's been quite fun as well. But other than that, just the usual lockdown, working, mess about in the computer, and talking to you two or three times a week. Yeah, well, I suppose when I say I've been up to nothing, we 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 have started. Some of you might have seen it floating about. I think called quite the thing media. What we're trying to do is grow a, a podcast network, a sort of beneficial thing between independent creators to to share stuff and share ideas and things like that. And we're not going to be what's the word gauche about it. I'm not going to be ramming it down. It's not going to be. Uh, every other day or whatever you're going to be it's going to be stuck in your face but we bring it up now this is quite the thing media.com we've set up this website there's a few guys that have joined us one of them has come over from heart and hand for any of the the heart and hand listeners andy he does a ufo podcast that has got these really massive guests on these guys that used to be in the fucking cia and the, the military and stuff like that uh, and another another couple of english boys um have joined us who do like a like they're really talented boys, really well produced podcasts and stuff like that, uh, mockbusters. So I'm not going to push it down your throat, but if you've got a bit of spare time, if you could follow the follow the Twitter basically and and take a wee look at the website and just feedback. I'm always looking for feedback, you know. And if you go like that, that looks a bit shit or that looks a bit that's not great, uh, let me know and we we'll always sort of try and improve. So I just wanted to get that out the road at the start Colin you know I don't want to be uh, banging on about it all the time yeah totally um, I think you've described that pretty well kind of what we're looking to do and what we're hoping to achieve from it um, in terms of feedback that's all we ever want really is feedback comments interactions with you guys and probably the easiest way to do that is either through email or through the discord there's a link to the discord on the website and in the show notes every week um, that's a great place to kind of pop in leave your immediate feedback on the show to interact with the two of us and we'd love more people to do it yeah I think the the old links to Discord will not work anymore, to be honest, I think, because we changed the name of the server. It won't work, but that's open. There's already been a, a good bit of discussion in there, like we're, we're speaking to new people and things like that, so it is. Um, it's already taking steps in the right direction. So, as it's quite the thing, media, uh, own website, and there is a Twitter. So if you've got that bit of spare time, then... Um, let us know how you think we're getting on and if you think it's a waste of time honestly tell us because I would hate to be fucking wasting wasting all that time to be honest with you what, we, what we're doing today Colin this was an idea of yours a, a while ago that I that I'm looking forward to to be honest yeah so I mean Jack and I were born in 1984-1985 and the idea was that over time we would do pods basically on each year since we were born 
And we're kind of kicking that off a little bit today, but we're going jumping ahead a little bit to 1990. And we're going to just basically look at the year that was 1990, what kind of happened that year from a pop culture point of view, from a news point of view, and kind of just interlace that a little bit with our memories and our time. Um, in terms of the 90s, I was... 6 to 16 throughout the 90s so the 90s has always got a kind of special memory in my head because it's childhood that I can remember and it's also young adulthood that I can sort of remember as well so the 90s is pretty golden for me and I, I would imagine it's the same for you Jack Yeah mate that, that's why I, I thought we would, we would be better starting at 1990 rather than going back to sort of 84, 85 because this is when you're starting to form your your first memories your, your most sort of vivid memories I still remember it would have been 1990, standing in the in the primary school, like I was going to say, car park but playground is the word that, that I'm looking for. Standing there, waiting to get called up to get into primary one. So I can, I've still got that as a as a sort of pretty vivid vivid memory. And I thought I may as well start then rather than speaking about stuff that we would have absolutely no idea or like no real memory of it. So I thought 90 was a good place to start. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a good year. Um, a lot of stuff that you kind of pulled together for this show around the nineties and nineteen ninety in particular. A lot of stuff I remembered, and a lot of stuff I kind of forgotten that I remembered. So I enjoyed uh-huh. looking over the notes. So I'm very much looking forward to talking about it. Well, what I say is nineteen ninety. So we would have we would have been five and five and six, and what I say is I was starting primary school, and like there was. We'll start with the sort of pop culture side of things, I suppose. So we'll start with the sort of films and music that was about then. You've got the notes in front of you. I was going to kid on there, mate, and say, do you know what the number one film was of 1990? But Well, yes, Jack, I do. Well, tell me then. So the, the number one film is actually of 1990. is a film that I saw in the cinema literally about a year ago, um, Ghost. Um, with Demi I have Hatch never Swayze seen it. and sure. Demi Moore. Um, basically, they move into an apartment and it's in New York. He goes out at night to get shopping and gets attacked in the street and killed. And she has to pick up her life in this new apartment, new sort of life that she's got without him. And he comes back to visit her as a ghost and they have ghost sex while doing pottery, um, basically. Um, See, that's the only thing I know about the film is the ghost sex bit where like they're getting all slippy and uh, putty, puttyish. Yeah, I don't know that's if that's a word, but they're getting covered in and putty. Yeah, it's, it's and for slippy some reason, like did Whoopi Goldberg do a, a piss take of it in something? Because no, Whoopi Goldberg did film. Right, okay, fuck. So Whoopi Goldberg, that's my memory again. <laughs> Whoopi Goldberg plays a. Uh, basically a, a con woman who claims to be able to speak to the dead and people pay her money to go speak to their dead relatives that have died and their dead partners and stuff like that and she gets involved with the with the widow and also with him because for some reason when he's a ghost it turns out that she's not such a con artist because she can actually see him and talk to him and stuff like that oh, um, okay. I think it's it's not a terrible film it's not it's never going to be a film I particularly want to watch but during the first quarter break in between early lockdown and stuff, there was a showing of it at the cinema for Valentine's Day last year, uh, just before everything locked down. And I got tickets for it and Lisa went on Valentine's night, went for a cheeky Nando's and then went to see Ghost. And it was a lovely evening had by all. Um, and that was the first time I'd seen the film. Lisa had seen it a hundred million times because right. she's a girl. 
Um, but it was quite enjoyable. It was all right. It, it took $505 million at the box office, so it had to have something about it. Yeah, so that's half a billion dollars that's took it. Number two, this kind of surprised me because it's Home Alone, right? So that was a Christmas film, and it came out in 1990. So it's this worldwide, worldwide gross, like, now or whatever, because I don't see how it could have reached number two when it only came out in November or whatever of 1990. Do you know where I'm coming from there? Yeah, it, it's, it did do it's phenomenal business, film. though. It was People were going to see it a couple of times and stuff when it was in the, in the cinema, so... Uh, it must have done those numbers. It must be. It must be accurate. Um, it's brilliant. It's just so much fun. Um, it's it's great. It's my favourite Christmas film. Yeah. yeah, I think it's it's up there for me. Certainly up there. Um, the the slapstick humour with the two burglars. The the idea when we, we watched this for the first time, Jack, we'd have been six or seven, just a little bit younger than what Macaulay Culkin is in the film, uh, playing Kevin, and you kind of would have had that dream yourself of getting left alone and getting up to all that stuff and guarding your house. Um, I dare say the house that you and I would have been guarding wouldn't be this big Chicago mansion that Kevin McAllister's dad could somehow afford. Um, there's some quite good myths and theories on the internet that Kevin McAllister's dad was like a mafia mob boss. Oh, like a drug dealer or something. Yeah, yeah I think that's probably that, came from the Sopranos, like he, yeah. the dirty cop and that. Because so, it's the only way he could afford apparently the only way that somebody could afford a house like that would be having these mad mega jobs apparently that didn't seem to make sense with the film um, but yeah it's, it was massive fun really really good film yeah we, we're not a TV and film podcast so I don't want to spend all the time on this so what what I'm going to do mate is I'm going to fling the next 8 at you and you're going to give me a score out of 10 very quickly right okay Pretty Woman at number 3 6 Dances with Wolves Never seen it. Total Recall. Women's get free boobs. Six. Oh, oh man, that's like an eight or nine for me. Back to the Future <laughs> Part Three. Um, eight and a half. Die Hard Two. Seven. Presumed Innocence. Never seen it, and I've never heard of it. Never heard of it. No. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. In nineteen ninety. Ten. Now. Five. And Kindergarten Cop. Who's your daddy? And what does he do? Um, seven. Yeah, I watched it last week. It was on ITV2 during the day. And <laughs> I tuned in halfway through and watched it. It's one of those films. I would give that about an eight. So, yeah, a um, lot of sort of classics in there. Arnie kicking about your action films. Uh, Kevin Costner with his first uh, director's role, I think, with Dances with Will. So, uh, yeah, lots of good stuff in, in the movies. I've not got a top ten for music, Colin. Listeners that know us know that. I'm going to say you're the music guy in this. Um, I am the music thing. man. I come and from I am me. not. So I will let you take. I will let you take these. Um, we've only got the top five here. I'm well, there's a there's a bit of a link between the two of them. I don't know if you'd know about it or not. Uh, number one, Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers was the song from the Ghost Sex in Ghost. Um, that song was was basically she actually put it it was actually in the film she put that record on and had the ghost sex with the pottery wheel Um, so that was kind of linked between the two there Um, Nothing Compares to You by Sinead O'Connor was number two See there's a lot of qualms about that about when it came out I'm sure I've heard people say oh it's not from that year it's not well making sure I think you're making stuff up I think the the, the kind of story that comes from that that 
song is who wrote it because it wasn't her. Do you know who wrote it? Right. Um, the guy from U2. No, it was Prince. I just got a guess at that, man. Of course. <laughs> it was Prince. Um, Jennifer Connor's a weirdo, man. She like shaves her head and protests about stuff and she's, I, I think that she's does, a bit of a maniac. a weirdo straight away protesting about stuff, but oh, it does. She, is actually, she is actually weird. On top she's of a maniac. That, yeah. she, she, yeah. she, she appears at UFC quite a lot. She sings Conor McGregor's um, theme tune um, or his entrance music. Um, the Irish which, thing, yeah. yeah, like Foggy Dew or something it's called, or Foggy Dew, I'm not sure. Um, mm. It should be like something that I really don't like, but for some reason I get quite caught up by it all when it's Conor McGregor. Um, but yeah, she's she's appeared at them. She always looks like a crackpot at them also. Um, number three is Old Elton uh, with a double A side, Sacrifice and Healing Hands. Um, I know Sacrifice, I don't know Healing Hands. I don't know either. Sacrifice. will not come as a surprise. Uh, number four is Vanilla Ice with Ice Ice Baby, which I know you know. Yeah, I know that one. Yeah, yeah. Um, he get apparently he got dangled over a balcony by his ankles by Suge Knight and ordered to sign over the rights to that song to him. So yeah, we've had this conversation before, man. He, he, he got to a point in his life where he was breaking into his ex girlfriend's house and stealing fucking bicycles and lawn and furniture. Lawn furniture, basically. Yeah. yeah. So fuck knows what happened. He obviously spent all his money and I would imagine was high on drugs when he was doing that. So I would imagine um, so. Um, old Robert Robert Van Winkle. Wacky, I suppose. Yeah. And then the last one, number five, is Killer by Adamski. See, I don't know if I know it's one of those ones that like this is a, a line that I batter out all the time. I'll know if I hear it. But I Yeah, I, I this one I think you it. actually would. There, there, there's a lot of ones that if you heard you wouldn't know, but I think this one you actually would. Yeah, so we, we managed to dumble our way. Not a great year for music, music, Jack. Not a yeah. great year at all there. Without any in-depth analysis from from myself. We're obviously from Glasgow, Colin, and on January the 1st of 1990, Glasgow began its year as the European capital of culture. I remember, I kind of remember this as a five-year-old or a four-year-old even at the time. Mm-hmm. Like, I just remember kind of being a buzz about the place. It was all it was all on buses and shit. Like people yeah. know it was on the side of buses and there was that big Glasgow Smiles Better with the big smiley logo and stuff like that, wasn't the it? Big was yellow, like, not yellow smiley face, but the the yellow ball guy, I suppose. Yeah. That was the one. It's a bit of bullshit though, really, this whole European capital of culture thing, because did they not all bid for it? And they put a case forward and then it gets voted on and stuff like that and it's all a bit bullshit, really, isn't it? How else would you would you do it then? Would you just like would, have the same place every year, like or mid I'd, I'd have a man who's the culture man, and his uh-huh. job would just be to go around the world and experience everywhere and think, oh, this place has got a lot of culture. I like it. Let's give it to this this year. Yeah, well, fair enough. So as Glasgow started its year as the uh, the capital of culture. The internet kind of basically started, uh, the first internet companies basically catering to commercial users. Obviously there was the the military stuff before that. Uh, PSNet and EUNet, uh, they started selling internet access to commercial customers basically. I didn't get the internet in my house until I was about 19. Like, I used to find it mind-blowing when I was like 16, 17 going round to French house and basically having a wine. Let's be honest. <laughs> With your friends. Pages. 
not with my friend, fuck's sake, but uh, like, if he went for a, a job or something, he'd knock one out. Fuck, rabid, of course you would. Come on. Oh, <laughs> that's, that's close to the worst story like that I've ever heard. We, I remember we, we, used to know <laughs> called, we used to know a boy called Jason, and he told us all a story about him and his pals one night, watched a porno, and they all had, they all had a competition so you could wank the quickest. Oh, the um, fucking soggy biscuit. Like, I, I always heard about soggy biscuit growing up and never experienced it and don't think it was a thing. But I have heard, again, stories about people going and, like you say, having a, like a fucking group wank session. Have you wankathon? Yeah, that's no. bonkers. Um, no. I, I think, I'm trying to think what age I would have been when I first got the internet in the house. I remember. I remember 56k dial-up internet, um, and I certainly was. I had 56k before I had broadband. I remember paying a penny a minute to be on it and having a little box beside the computer that we put money in, so we never get stung by a big bill. Um, I remember quite quickly though, early doors, even in the 56k days, I had found a company called Colloquium, I think they were called, and they were a Glasgow-based internet service provider, and they were one of the first ones I knew that did you unlimited internet for a one-off fee rather than the penny a minute. So I think we were paying something like 15 or £16 pounds a month, but it gave my mum and dad the kind of peace of mind that that was as much as it was ever going to be, and we didn't have to worry about it, because I very quickly became addicted to it. Not for wanking reasons, I was mostly looking at South Park wrestling pictures and stuff like that. Um, but but you everybody was wanking. <laughs> I wasn't wanking in 1990. I was six. Oh, but you went on the internet in 1990, Yeah, that's you, true, that's you, true. You didn't, as a five-year-old, go out and find an internet service provider for you and your family? You no, I didn't, I, did, I did that when I was six. <laughs> I did that when I was seven. No, I must have been like... We're talking about 1990 here, mind. Right? Yeah, in 1990, I did not know what the internet was, and I didn't yeah. know what my cock was for either, other than pissing. So, oh. um, that that was not on my my kind of wavelength at that time. Oh. Talking about the internet, I suppose... Um, like we are talking about having a, I'm talking about having a, a chug. Yeah. Like um, Liam Hemsworth was born on January the thirteenth, and I suppose a lot of ladies might look him up on the internet. He's quite a good-looking Australian actor type guy. Any thoughts on old Liam? Yeah, he's he's more to give them a wide on than to give us a chug. I would imagine, but yeah, they they would be quite keen on him. He's quite cool. I think he was in Ghostbusters remake recently. It was the last thing I saw him in. Right, um, that. He's got a brother though, and I get mixed up between the two of them. Uh, one was in Home and Away, and one wasn't. Um, one's one, four, like, and one's not four. Yeah, I was going to say that is one of them not an Avenger type guy, or a, a yeah, one's one's four with a hammer, and the other one does other stuff. But yeah, I think the last thing I seen him in was in the Ghostbusters remake. Yeah, I've not. I had absolutely no intention of ever watching it. To be honest, like Ghostbusters is. One of those films that you don't want to be sullied by a remake, I don't think. Like, don't get me wrong, I'm not like a massive Ghostbusters aficionado and know all about it, but I did enjoy I did enjoy the films and yeah, just absolutely no interest in Liam or Chris Hemsworth or whatever it is floating about being not as good as Bill Murray, basically. No, he's never going to be as good as that, so... The remake wasn't terrible, but it was, it's no comparison to the other ones. So, yeah, you're not missing out on anything. Right. What I'll do is I'll take the rest of January, mate. We'll take a month each of it, that. We'll, okay. We'll share it out. Uh, a week after Liam was born, MTV's Unplugged was first broadcast um, in the middle of January on cable television. And on... I, I'd never heard of this band. 
uh, a British band called Squeeze were the first people on it. Um, I've heard of them, but I don't think I could tell you any of their songs. Yeah, like not a, not a clue. I don't know what their their bag was, their style, because Britpop obviously wasn't such a big thing back then. I kind of wonder what what Squeeze are like. If any of you know of Squeeze or a big um, Squeeze fans, you can obviously just let us know. We're always um, looking for uh, people people telling us that we're stupid or whatever. I, I don't mind that. Like I have said that. Like, what do you mean you you've never heard of Squeeze? Um, I mean, people get in the high horse sometimes that you should know what they know, or you should like what they like. I quite like getting that. To be honest, what about yourself? No, not a fan. No, not a fan of that in the slightest. No, um, don't like that. At all. See, I just brush it off. That's the thing. Like, I can just say, look, um, I am quite good at that. I suppose just either ignoring it in the first place or just. So I was saying to somebody, look, we're allowed to disagree on this. Come on. Stop being such a dick about things. <laughs> I, I find it hard to... The bigger one for me is see when I encounter somebody on Twitter or just in life who I know is stupid and doesn't realise it, their stupidity sometimes offends me and I can't help but argue with them. Even though I know I'm wasting my time because they're not capable of getting it or they just don't want to get it. But people that are proper daft... It sort of triggers me a little bit and I get myself pulled into debates with them. I've maybe done four or five, six tweets and off one off one after another with them. And then I suddenly stop myself and go, I am wasting nothing but my own time here. Yeah, I honestly don't think the whole time that I've been on Twitter I have ever got into a like a back and forth with somebody like that. Because I'll I will either just ignore it, like I said, or just say to them, Look, like but we're never gonna get to an end point here. Yeah. So um Let's just carry on with our with our own stuff. And no, I've never been in a Twitter spat or argument. I've disagreed with people and said I don't agree with that or whatever and, and sort of moved on. But no, I don't have the the, the energy to be doing that for a start. Yeah, right. no, I get it. That you're sensible. Yeah, I uh, will. Um, we'll wrap up uh, January on the thirty first, and the first McDonald's is opened in Russia uh, in Moscow, basically after eight months of construction and this sort of we're going to hit in a few of these I think as we go go through in 1990 and 91 and so on like just globalisation basically like all these like McDonald's KFC's Pizza Hut's breaking into China Russia all these markets that you wouldn't have thought they could have got into like during the Cold War and stuff like that you would never have expected a, a multinational American company to be able to to go to Russia, but it happened in, in 1990, and now, now look at it, man, like, I'm always sort of disappointed after I finish a McDonald's, I don't know, like, I, I really enjoy it for the three minutes that I eat it, but just almost like a tinge of depression after, I don't know, it's like a, a really strange thing, and it only really happens with McDonald's for me. Yeah, I, I get that. It's you know, something you can always look forward to. You think, yeah, I'll go get one of them. That'll that'll fill the hole for a while. But quite often, the chips and the drink are the best part, and that really shouldn't be the the case. Um, it's it's not the best, is it? Um, but it's it's just it's it's empty calories, isn't it? It's not supposed to fill you up. I don't think it's capable of filling you up. It's just it's just some shitty fast food that I don't think it even pretends now to be anything but that. Um, no, I, I don't think 
Yeah, it would have had, um, I was going to say delusions of grandeur, but not quite that. But I kind of think it did used to think of, look at our high-class burgers. Now they just don't give a shit. The burgers used to look like the pictures back in the day, I think. Now it's just slopped into a box and it, it looks like half the size and it's got half the ingredients and stuff like that. It's, it is just cheap shite, cooked quickly, served quickly, work your way through the queue as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um, however, during the first lockdown, Jack, it was mental how much people missed McDonald's. Like the queues when McDonald's opened were ridiculous. People were desperate for it, desperate for it when it opened again. Um, which I did find mental at the time. But I suppose that's just how big they are and how popular they are, and that's why they're they're so well well off and valuable. Yeah, it was one of the first things I did go and get. Like, but that was because the the app was running a deal, but it was like spend. 15 and get 10 off or something so oh, I remember you, saying you, that, you, yeah. you were getting an absolute shed load for a fiver so managed to get like like a proper like for myself and my stepboy and family stuff like that like for a tenner basically you were getting like five meals so that's the only sort of reason I went because the app was offering that I'm going to pull this from thin air right and it's something that I think I heard years ago Colin was do you know how much like per burger that either McDonald's or Burger King make like just like sheer profit on a, a single burger basically on a hamburger Um, I think they probably make something like upwards 80% profit on it yeah see that's what I thought but I'm pretty sure I heard that they make like a penny or something oh really yeah they, they, it's like really slim margins but because they sell a fucking billion burgers yeah. They make a fortune, but they're on the actual bread and patty. Once they've, they've bought that and then paid their staff, paid their bills, they're making like a penny or two on, on each burger. Yeah, I'd imagine the the drinks before. the drinks and the chips are probably at a far higher markup than that because the drinks are just that syrup stuff, which is literally pennies to buy. And the chips are, it's obviously a lot cheaper to buy chips than it is to buy burgers, I suppose, and all the stuff that you have to combine to make a burger. Um, but that again, it's, it goes back to their 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 operating model. It's serve as many as possible as quickly as you can, and those those pennies for a burger will quickly add up. Um, it's quite interesting. McDonald's. The, a lot of economists use McDonald's as a good example of comparing world economies. Um, basically, looking at the price of a Big Mac in every country in the world, and just using that as a kind of barometer of how good their economy is and how expensive their country is to live in and stuff like that. Right, so would like Norway and Finland and places like that like be like ten pound a burger? Yeah, they would have more. Yeah, they would have they would have a more expensive um, Big Mac than us per se because of just the economies they have there. But the reason they use a Big Mac is because it's something which is pretty much the same ingredients and created exactly the same way, no matter where you are in the world. So it's a really good thing to compare because they use the similar sort of ways of getting the ingredients, the similar sort of manufacturing process, the similar cooking process, the similar setup costs and everything are, are very, very similar. Whereas if you used a pint of lager or if you used something that wasn't so identical worldwide, you wouldn't really get the same sort of analysis as you get from something like a Big Mac, which is the same everywhere you go. Yeah, it, it, it totally makes sense. Like I remember back at school doing um, for my hires, I, I picked counting for, I don't know, 
I don't really counting know or that. accounting. Accounting, like right. I, I was wondering, like counting. So counting, just like one, two. Get good at that. You pass. Yeah, that would no, be a brilliant no, subject. No, quite accounting, and um, my sister's husband or ex-husband now was an accountant for Pricewaterhouse. I don't know oh, if yeah. Pricewaterhouse Cooper back then, and he'd done the McDonald's accounts, and like he told me when I was seventeen about the like that standardisation of buying cheese, for example. So he he's doing their accounts, and they've spent I don't know. Ten million pound on cheese because it's got, like you says, it's got to be the the same cheese everywhere, and like I, just something that crossed my mind as a sixteen, seventeen year old that yeah, you need to buy the same stuff in every McDonald's in, in the world basically. So yeah, makes sense, and I suppose it is a good way to measure the the economy basically. I done economics as well. Um, I I don't know I don't know what I was thinking when I was sixteen, seventeen. I don't know what I had in my head that I was going to be doing, but uh, I've done higher economics and higher, yeah, higher accounting. Wait the thing. <laughs> yeah, my, my daughter's 17, she's 18 in March, and I've had this conversation with her recently that don't stress yourself too much about what you're doing at school just now. Don't stress yourself last year when she's picking subjects, like don't stress yourself out about this. I know this feels like just now it's the most important thing in the world, but I promise you it's not. It's really, really not. Um, and it's amazing the pressure you put yourself on as a kid and these ideas of what you're going to do that you have and I don't know figures to back this up but there can't be many people out there that decide that school what they want to do and end up doing it is there? I can't I can't think there's many no I remember doing some sort of tick box test thing on the computer and like sort of um, when you went and spoke to a careers advisor basically and you, you filled out a box and the job that it would print out a job at the end. Yeah, I remember those. Did you, yeah, did you ever do that sort of shit, man? And I'm pretty sure the job I got was a an accurist. You ever heard of these people? Like these are the guys that do insurance and shit like that. Oh right, okay. Like that do all these mad sums to basically work out how much to charge somebody for life insurance or car insurance. Right, you okay. know me. Like what the fuck? Like that's kind of hard. Yeah, yeah. Kind of looking back, I kind of think that I was maybe answering questions in a way that I thought they should be answered. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. To get the answer right. Yeah, I get that. Like all I and wanted to be was a weatherman. I wanted to be a weatherman on the telly. Tell me, yeah, that's a brilliant man. Yeah. And then I spoke to the <laughs> careers advisor about it and found out you need fucking chemistry and physics and biology and all the stuff that I didn't like. It wasn't good at, and that was basically my dreams fucking wasted. So mm-hmm. and that was really the only thing I ever wanted to be. I wanted to be a DJ at one point, but a radio DJ, not a just press play DJ. I wanted to be a. It's ten past eight, and there is a build-up of cars on Mill Shagri Avenue. Here's some boys. Mill Shagri, like that's a really niche, <laughs> niche oh, thing to say, man. Like, yeah. if, if you're not from Glasgow and you don't go through the tunnel, you hold have no idea. There, there's <laughs> always there's always long hold-ups on Mill Shagri Avenue. <laughs> there um, always is, man. <laughs> but that was that was what I wanted to be a weatherman or a local radio DJ. And I suppose doing podcasting is the closest I ever got to either of them. Um, yeah, maybe I'll start doing a wee weather report on this pod some weeks. Um, but I, yeah, that was just, I suppose that's me living out my dream in some way. Right, Hi, for sure. Um, February, mate, we, we, 
kind of stuck in January about that. Aye, we're, we're doing well with this. This is this is going to be a two or three parter, isn't it? Aye, this is going to keep going. I think. Yeah. So what was happening in February? Quite big things actually. Yeah, massive things. I mean, it was good talking about McDonald's and MTV and that, but apartheid was kicking off in Africa. Um, basically, um, FW de Klerk announced the unbanning of the African National Congress and made promises to release Nelson Mandela, um, which was a massive thing. Nelson Mandela was in jail and the vast majority of folk believed that he shouldn't be. Uh, this was on the 2nd of February and then on the 11th of February, uh, old Nelson was released just seven days later eh, sorry nine days later so they, they didn't mess about once they found out 27 years in jail they decided he was getting out and he was out just over a week later and this wasn't a big story in South Africa this was a big story for the world people were Nelson Mandela daft Jack um, I was far too young at the time to realise it but I've seen the footage and all that stuff looking back on it and it was huge people were celebrating this everywhere weren't they? Yeah because because of the reasons he was he was imprisoned, basically, um, for being black, basically, uh, yeah. uh, for, for being black and being politically active, so you get stuck in, do- in jail for twenty seven years for standing by your morals. So when somebody like that who has went through what he went through for that long comes out at the other end, I, you've just got to bow your head and go, like, Jesus Christ, man! Like to stand by your morals that much is something that I don't think as a millennial especially that I could even consider to be honest with you man so yeah uh, the 11th of February he got out after seven yeah. years in prison kudos to him I, I don't think there's, there's anything I feel strong enough about to do 27 years in jail for 27 hours is fuck that man like not 27 yeah I like to think myself as quite opinionated and having proper decent enough morals and stuff like that um, but I don't think I could stick to any of them for that I think I would be yeah okay I'll change my mind on that to not go to jail in South Africa as a black man for 27 years just for believing in something I think it's terrible yeah we're going, um, to, come back, we're going to come back to Nelson Mandela as well like I was thinking about doing a full show about the the Nelson Mandela effect basically Colin like, yeah. had that thing where supposedly millions of people thought that Nelson Mandela died like that sort of mass, not hysteria, but mass forgetfulness, basically. And there's tons of wee, there's tons of wee things out there. And you pointed one out to me the other day that I kind of argued against being the Nelson Mandela effect. But tell people, tell people what it is, and and let's see if they want to go away and take a look at the picture. So I asked you to Google. I sent you a picture of the Ford car logo. So if you're listening just now, just Google the the Ford car logo for me. Uh, bring it up on your phone. Um, I'll give you a second just to do that. And the, the, the blue Ford logo hasn't changed over 100 years, Jack. It's been the same. Nothing's changed on it. It's been pretty much identical that whole time. It's one of the most recognised logos in the world. Um, everybody knows it. I think everybody could draw it. However, now that you've Googled it and you're looking at it, folks, how many of you knew about that little squiggle after the F above the O? How many had noticed that before? The vast majority of people have never seen that before, even though it's been on that logo since time began. Yeah, see, I, I was trying to... My, my argument was that I thought the, the Nelson Mandela effect was more... Not the opposite of that, but thinking something was there or happened that, that didn't, not not noticing something. Do you know what I mean? Like I, I, I do think there is a, a difference between like thinking that the Monopoly guy 
has a monocle. Like a lot of people think that. It doesn't, mm -hmm. right? So thinking that somebody's got Hello friends, Colin here. The looks, the charm and the brains behind Run Their Memory. Just wanted to pop in and interrupt your listening pleasure to let you know about our Patreon and some changes that we've made to it recently. We've now introduced a £1 tier where you get absolutely hee-haw other than the sense of achievement that could only come from supporting two great guys like myself and Jack. We've also reduced the price of the two top tiers by a pound on each of them just because we appreciate life is a little bit shit just now and uh, if we can make things a little bit better for people then we will so check us out at patreon.com forward slash wrong term memory and you'll be able to get early access to shows ad free and lots of bonus content something whereas like if he did have a monocle then lots of people didn't notice they had a monocle I, I think that's different but maybe I'm coming at it wrong. Like, do you see a difference there at all? No. Yeah, there is a there is a difference. I think, um, but I do still think you can talk about it under that sort something. of Mandela effect right. umbrella. I think it's a really interesting topic. It's it's a shame that I'm not sure how you bring it to life properly on a podcast because it's so visual and you actually do need to instruct people to go away and listen, Google this thing and actually tell us what you see because it's probably different to what you think you're going to see. Um, the, the really famous ones are like Looney Tunes logo. Um, people remember it as Looney Tunes, but it's Looney Tunes. Oh. Um, Curious George, the monkey, having a tail and not having a tail. And then even just silly things like Sex in the City, um, being called Sex and the City and not Sex in the City. Um, if you, see, if you don't, I'm going to say suffer, suffer's not the right word, but if you don't, um, yeah, suffer from the Nelson Mandela effect, like, you kind of think that people are mental for thinking it. Yeah, totally. Like, it's never been sex and the city. It's sex and the city, that's what it's called. I don't see how anybody could get that wrong. It's, it's called what, sorry? Sex and the city. Yeah, no, it's called sex and the city. What? It's, it's called Sex and the City. <laughs> the people that are wrong are the ones seeing Sex in the City. Right. I would put an edit point in, but I really can't be bored. So, yeah, there's, there's the Mandela effect right there, live in your face. Sex and the City? Are you mad? Yeah. There's no sex it's, in there? <laughs> No, it's called... Because the show is about sex and the city of and New York. And the city. <laughs> yeah. That's what it's about, and but everybody will swear blind like you just did live without prompting that it's called Sex in the City. There you go, right? Okay, so let's move on. That, that, there you go, that's the show finished. We can't top that, we're done. See you next week. <laughs> just Nelson Mandela affected it right out of the park. <laughs> like, fuck it, I, I like space, right? I'm into space. A lot of the, the shows that we do, I try and bring space and science on and you just bat it away like shut up Jack but on February the 14th Valentine's Day in 1990 one of the most famous pictures I've always taken the, the pale blue dot the, the photograph basically you will have seen it like the, the pale blue dot basically on, on, yeah. the, on the black background uh, taken from 5.6 billion um, kilometres away by uh, Voyager the Voyager 1 probe. That stuff sort of just blows my mind that you can basically get bits of metal and sellotape 
and a bit of glue and a little bit of silicon, stick shit together and fire it five billion miles away and take a fucking picture and send it back to you. That's and amazing. And this this was this is another thing about the nineties that um, at New Year there, like every single day in the nineties was now over twenty years ago. We're obviously talking about nineteen ninety, so over thirty years ago they done that. It just like I say, it just blows my mind, man. Yeah, it's amazing. And it was uh there was just the start eventually it would lead to those famous, even clearer pictures that you would get of Earth, the famous ones, the original iPhone background, that kind of black cover with that proper bright blue Earth globe, basically, just just looking phenomenal. And even now, like 2021, just this week, you've got that mad thing landed in Mars this week. And we're now yeah, getting two microphones and everybody's buzzing about yeah. it. Yeah, we're getting audio. Of, helicopter. Yeah, yeah, we're getting audio of Mars now from this. Um, I think it's called Persuasion. Uh, this little robot. Um, he's kicking oh. about Mars, taking photos and videos now. Um, but that's just technology. Like, it's, it's amazing. And that thirty years ago, we were getting a picture from how far away was it? Five point six billion kilometers away. Yeah, uh, three and a half billion miles, basically. Like, yeah, um, absolutely fascinating that they managed to do that, and this was without the power of uh, MacBooks and 500 gig of RAM doing stuff. This was people fucking sitting with, like, pen and paper, like, calculating yeah. stuff in their fucking head. Well, that's, that's it. The, <laughs> the, the rocket that went to the moon, or didn't go to the moon, depending on what kind of nutcase you are, um, but the rocket that took Neil Armstrong and Big Buzz to the moon, the computing power on that rocket is less than what you have in your pocket on your iPhone. See, I've heard it's less than a, like a Casio calculator. Well, that's, that's even worse. Um, it's fucking bonkers. But that's the kind of things that these guys were achieving back then with absolute shit to play with, basically. Um, See if you ever bump into Buzz Aldrin by any chance. Don't say that to him. Um, that the the computing power was less than than a calculator or something because you, like he seems to take it as a like a personal insult against the people that like done it with their head when you say that like, he takes it as as a dig basically so if you were to say to him here mate that this like birthday card that plays this tune has got more computing power than your rocket he goes off he's not so um, that's just a tip for anybody bumps into Buzz Alden, basically. Don't say that to him. Okay, we'll move on to Mark's fucking talking about one um, lot of nonsense. Oh, and we're moving on to computers in Mark's calling. Yeah. The Nintendo World Championships are held within the Fair Park Automobile Building um, Kickstarter almost year-long gaming competition across 29 American cities. Um... I'm going to say something a wee bit controversial here that I think a lot of people will get upset about. Never a massive Nintendo fan, Jack. Uh, the NES was the first console or computer that I ever got when I was five. It would have been 1990 I got it for the the Christmas that year. So a couple of months after this Nintendo World Championship, I got the NES. So yeah, I've, I've got a soft spot for it. But even back then, with, with you being just that, year or so older you would have had like a a different starting point even back then what was it you had an Atari or 
Amstrad yeah, so my, like my first sort of computer console was an actual computer. It was the Amiga 500. And a year or so later, we upgraded that to the Amiga 1200. And it was cassette tapes um, that you put into... The first was um, the Spectrum, actually. I had a Spectrum for an Amiga, and that was like cassette tapes you put into it. And then the Amiga was floppy disks. And I remember I got a game called Monkey Island uh, about a pirate called Guybrush Freepwood. And it came on four floppy disks. And you had to change them at various parts of the game. And then I, I remember a little bit later, I got Monkey Island 2, Jack. And that came on 11 floppy disks. Um, yeah, I seem to remember Monkey nuts. Island kicking about and people being right into it. And I, I was just never a fan of those type of... Click and play adventure games. games. Yeah, they never they never tickled my fancy, man. They were really well made. They were made by a company called Lucas Arts, which was basically it was George Lucas. George uh, Lucas made Star Wars and stuff like that. So the gameplay, the dialogue, everything was excellent in them. Um, very very good. Really really enjoyable stuff. Um, but then my first actual console was a Master System, and after that I sort of stuck to Sega until the PlayStation came along. So I was never really a big Nintendo guy. Yeah, I was I was NES. Like, this is a really fucking boring conversation. NES, SNES, Mega Drive, PlayStation, I think. Um, I was pretty, pretty late adopter with the internet and with the PlayStation as well. I didn't get a PlayStation until maybe like a couple of years after friends had got it. So I was always um, sort of miles behind when it came to that. I just think, you know, you just, that's just the way you're brought up, you know, like your mum isn't going to spend. £400 on a fucking PlayStation. Like, if you're not getting one, shut up. <laughs> you've got your you've got your 16-bit thing there. Just go away and do that. Right, okay. Um, they didn't understand. Parents never understand when you're, what, 12 years old? <laughs> they still don't understand. My dad still doesn't understand it. My dad still, if he asks me what I've been up to, he phones quite often for a chat. He's like, what are you up to? And if I see him just playing the PlayStation... I, I think he'd be equally as disgusted and equally as bemused if I said I was sitting my nappy on and moan shit. He just does not get it. He thinks it's a complete waste of time. He just does not get it at all. But then he came to my house not long ago and I was playing FIFA and I had it paused. He didn't realise it was a computer game. It was that realistic to him. So he's he's really not, he's got no idea how good it can be, but he just finds the idea of an adult, which I am now, um, playing the computer. It's just bizarre. It just doesn't compute with him in his head. Yeah, well, talking about being an adult when you were a child, when the Nintendo World Championships were going on, your your mum and dad were probably fucking furious um, about the the poll tax that was coming in. Old Maggie Thatcher decided to try and introduce that, and it actually led uh, led to sort of massive riots, basically, um, down in in London. Again, Maggie Thatcher, we had a song about her. Like stealing their milk when when I was in school and primary one as a as a five year old, any sort of memories of Maggie Thatcher milk snatcher and stuff like that, or like even this this poll tax thing. I've got a rough again, just a sort of fleeting memory. My dad was a councillor at the, at the time. I think um, if I'm getting it, if I'm getting it right, and he was obviously like curious about this shit. Like these Tories coming up. And basically, like using us as guinea pigs, yeah. Basically, I mean, we we were. Um, I grew up in a place called Govan in in Glasgow, which is like let's be honest, a bit bit of a shithole. Um, and we managed to um, move to an our place when I was about six or seven. But yeah, my dad was very much a like a, a real socialist. 
Yeah. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, you kind of get some people nowadays that say they've got socialist values, but they don't really. I think maybe 30, 35 years ago, when you were a socialist, you were a socialist, and that was like your whole way of life. So I've got like yeah, vague yeah, memories yeah. of my dad being sort of curious. You got a lot of champagne socialists nowadays rather than actual socialists. Um, yeah. I, I'll be honest, Jack, I don't really have memories of that. I don't remember yeah. it being a, a massive topic of conversation in my house. I remember vaguely, I remember banners and stuff about it and people protesting a little bit in Glasgow about it, but that could also be historical footage that I've got and it's a false memory that I remember it rather than I just know about it. Oh. Um, when I think of the poll tax, it's the, it annoys me for a different reason, funnily enough. It annoys me that come 30 years on from it, my mum still calls council tax the poll tax. Right, okay. And I don't know why it triggers me and it annoys me and I correct her on it all the time. Um, But for some reason she can't, just in her head, it's poll tax and that's what it is. I get it because it's the same thing really, but I've always just known it as council tax and I don't know why you wouldn't call things by their correct name. Um, so that's where the poll tax sits in my brain. Slightly different from yours, but equally is from a sad place linked to appearance. Yeah, I suppose like if like you wanted to cover your poll tax, you could do what two guys done on the 18th of March in 1990, and that was dress up as police officers and walk into the Isabella Stewart Gardner Museum in Boston and steal, just basically just steal 12 paintings off of the wall collectively worth three hundred million dollars. Yeah, but the, the best thing about man. this yeah, it's amazing. Well done for doing it. Um however they I believe they just picked what they stole at random, what was the easiest to get because one of the things they stole, one of the paintings was worth three hundred million dollars. However, one of the paintings they stole was just worth a hundred dollars. Right? Well was it uh-huh. yeah. um <laughs> can you imagine like at the end of it after the after the heist the heist, sorry just like splitting the goods right? and I, I don't imagine these guys know their art all that well you'd be the poor bastard to get stuck with a hundred dollars one wouldn't you, <laughs> you like <laughs> um, why a hundred dollar painting was hanging up there in the first place next to all this stuff I don't know but it was literally just a smash and grab um, they grabbed paintings and a, and a, a, a mad vase um, I just 2018 vase. I don't know if anything's changed the last two or three years but none of the stuff's been recovered like they've got away with it, basically. Yeah, it must be somewhere because somebody's bought it off them. These guys don't steal this stuff to hopefully sell it. Most of these guys will sell this, will steal this stuff because they've already got a buyer lined up and the buyer's identified what they want or what what part of the museum at least to try and target and get stuff from. It'd be unusual for them not to have all that ready to go. Yeah, I would imagine it. I've just got images in my head of it being in some sort of bunker of some... Russian billionaire oligarch like Roman Abramovich of Chelsea, perhaps, has <laughs> got these um, Shang Dynasty vases just sitting about his house. Because when you've got that much money, what if, what what gives you a buzz after a while, basically? And surely, like having a Shang Dynasty vase just sitting there would give you a wee, like a wee tickle every day. Like, look, look, what I've got. Because other like it's okay, like I'd imagine it as pretty good having a three hundred million dollar yacht. Like, that would that would shoot me, but like it's all relative. So after thirty years of having yachts, do you think you would maybe want something different, or do you think you'd just be getting 
the newest iPhones and the, the newest cars all the time. I think I'd just be like getting new shit. I get the models. I I would like to live the Jay Z life, right? Because Jay Z famously um, puts on a fresh pair of socks and a fresh pair of boxers every day. Oh, I would love to do that. Bracket. Yeah, that would be that would be the dream. Um, yeah. Wears them, puts them in the bin, has new ones the next day. Um, I live a little bit of that life every year when I go on holiday <laughs> because I'll buy new socks and new boxers for going on holiday and. I'll be a bit like Jay-Z because I'll wear them for a day and then fuck them back in the suitcase. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but that's probably as close as I'm going to get to, to that sort of decadence, that sort of lifestyle. But yeah, it would be for me, it'd be all about just buying all the coolest stuff, having yeah. a, I'd, I'd want a live-in chef, a live-in barber, having all this just cool stuff available to me whenever I want it, it'd be so good. It'd be pretty magic, yeah. i tell you what we're going to do, we'll wrap up in March. Uh, this is going to be a two-parter. It might turn into... A three-parter, but we'll, we'll wrap up the last uh, couple of days in March, and uh, what we'll do is we'll release another episode on Thursday. So you're getting two full episodes, basically, rather than a than a short one on Thursday. But uh, Princess Eugenie of York, who is a, obviously a British princess, was born on uh, March the twenty-third, nineteen ninety. I think she's a wee bit of a darling, to be honest. Ah, she's got that kind of royal posh face about yeah, her that's what she, posh sexist yeah yeah you'd, you'd imagine she rides horses and stuff like that <laughs> well she, she she has been ridden recently because she was actually in the news this week because she's had a baby and it's been a bit of a surprise or a bit of a secrecy around what kind of baby it was and it's been just coming yesterday it was a boy baby and they called it august just like that i don't know just that that annoys me um, that's really annoying that's put me off um, Princess Eugenie March the 26th we'll wrap it up this is um, the 62nd Academy Awards mate Billy Crystal was hosting and again the old kiddie on thing do you know what won the uh, best picture and is it a film that you've seen um, uh, yeah I do know because I've got the notes here um, but I have seen it it's a good film however in my head the, well, the film I'll just say it's Driving Miss Daisy it won best picture um, Morgan Freeman, famous for the role there. And however, if you'd asked me yesterday before I saw these notes, Colin, what year do you think um, Driving Miss Daisy came out? I'd say to you, nineteen sixty. Oh fuck no! I'd have said I'd have went about eighty one, eighty two. Yeah. I thought I'd have been yeah, well before I was born. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'd, what I'd have went with. But that maybe that's just me being silly and daft. Um, but yeah, that's us up to the end of, of March 1990, Jack, that kind of trip down memory lane, or if it's not memories for us, it's kind of what we've learned about these times over the over the rest of our years. I've quite enjoyed that, it was good. Yeah, I enjoyed it myself, and um, like I said at the beginning of the episode, quite a thing, media, if you can go check it out, that would be fantastic, guys. And another thing, I'm asking you to do tons of things, reviews and basically clicking that start button, does make a difference. Uh, it gets us, it gets us into people's, supposed to inboxes, but you know what I mean. Like people see us, so if you could do that for us, it makes a big difference. So it does. Yeah, it definitely does. You know, you know all about it. But now, leave those five star reviews, yeah. leave our reviews, write write about us, do it on your friend's phone as well. But most importantly, please continue to listen in. Yeah, nobody's listening, but thanks for tuning in, guys. We'll speak to you on Thursday. Bye. <laughs>